0: it's time for another episode of the madonna get together i am your host wayne and we are revisiting my series entitled hey mr dj where we feature madonna fan remixers and today we have one you've probably heard of or at least heard his remixes on soundcloud or message boards throughout the years owner and admin of the madonna remixers united and has successfully produced all of the madonna project remix series He has made official remixes for recording artists such as Matt Zarley, Aaron Hamilton, Bouvier, and Verona, sold and streaming on all widely available platforms. For his Madonna remixes, we will be discussing his original and innovative approach to his work. Presently, he is focused on the endgame of remixing every official Madonna album to date, up to three full albums so far, currently working on the 4th. Please welcome Luke Savant to the show.
1: Good afternoon, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. Appreciate it.
0: Now, can I call you Luke Savant, or do you prefer Channing?
1: Um, My first name's Channing. I like my first name, so you can call me Channing. It's good, thank you.
0: Okay, good. <laughs> and you're calling us from California today.
1: I love California, yep. How is <laughs> it? Yes, I am. How is it there? Um, Right now, it's 100 degrees. Wow. Yeah. Today we had
0: our I think our, our first low. I'm in Richmond, Virginia. So um I think the low was forty four today and it was raining.
1: No, I live in Palm Springs, so it's oh, always wow. hot here. You're basically yeah. in a desert. I am in a desert. It essentially is a yes. desert, right? It it's the desert. We have the low desert and the high desert, and I'm in the low desert and um, I used to always vacation here. Pandemic was uh uh a good thing for me, I don't know. So that's not always good for most people, but, um, the pandemic allowed me to, um, buy a house and move and it was great. And so, um, this is where my husband and I have landed. So it's great.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. And you just recently saw Donna and Nikki.
1: So Donna and Nikki came to, uh, Oscars here at Palm Springs. They were here Thursday and um it's not my first time uh seeing nikki uh so it was great when we did the meet and greet afterwards walked in and nikki was like oh my god great to see you again which is you know whenever that happens you it's just it's a nice little little treat you know a little cherry on top yeah so we had a really nice time seeing them and it wasn't just nikki and donna i i didn't realize that um the blonde ambition dancers uh lewis uh he works for oscars as their event uh, manager, so it was great to see him. And um, Carlton was also there. Um, oh, cool! Who, who danced, you know, for two tours, Gorley Show Tour and Blonde Ambition, mm-hmm. and and he and I just got to have a private conversation moment. So I I felt um, I was able to actually connect with a lot of you know people that I admired and looked up to as part of Madonna's world when I was growing up as a kid. And uh, so it was yeah. a really, really great evening. I thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: I I love that a lot of fans who have been going to see um, Nikki and Donna uh, have also run into some of the the Bond Ambition tour dancers. Like, I love that journey for fans. Like, they're kind of just living out some of their childhood fantasies after watching, of course, like *Trick or Dare* and the *Bond Ambition* tour and *Girlie Show* tour. We see these people as like they're part of our life essentially because we
1: completely
0: held on to them for so long. Um and it's so great that a lot of them get to connect and and share and share that kind of like love for them and let them know like, listen, you're a great part of my childhood or, you know, teenagehood or even early adulthood and how the the love for them have just like continued to stay strong. I think it's amazing. So congratulations for having the chance to do that.
1: It was great, I loved it. Thank you.
0: Uh, well, speaking of journeys, can you tell me a little bit of your Madonna fan journey? When did you become a fan? When's the first time you heard a song or saw a video and and what kept you hooked?
1: it's Such a early timeframe, but it's it's so memorable. I don't think there's really been any other artists and I, and I kind of put two together. Um, it was such an early time in the in the early 80s when the first album came out, and you heard Lucky Star and you heard Holiday. And it was just, it was magical. It was one of these like infectious moments where as a young age, as a young child for me, my parents didn't shield me from the radio or pop music. So I was very Um, I was allowed to hear everything that was going on at the time. And I, I jokingly say this, but it is absolutely true. And I don't really look, uh, negatively on my, my dad or my older brother for doing it, but I grew up in Sacramento, California, and that's where the very first Tower Records was ever. So, um, I was seven, you know, it was 1982. Uh, and my, my, my dad and my brother went to Tower Records. I didn't go and I said, bring me back something. So um, they bring me back Marvin Gaye's Sexual Healing <laughs> as a 45 <laughs> single. And and I, it's so first of all, it's an amazing song. Um, my brother, my older brother, and he takes credit for it and I'm okay with it, but he brought me my very first Madonna 45. And because he just, he listened to it because he didn't want it. He said, do you want it? I'm like, absolutely, I want this. And so this is back in the day where, you didn't have boom boxes and I think my grandmother was a school teacher and so my only way of listening was one of these portable record players you would have in a classroom where the lid could pop off and so I would literally and the speaker was built into the device it was like one speaker and I would just play my Madonna song on that forever and then eventually we upgraded to a cassette player that was like fantastic. So I had a neighbor around the street that um, allowed me to uh, dub the Madonna cassettes because you know you're a kid, you don't have any money, and you just want to be able to just mm-hmm. absorb everything. So my very first early, you know, I I just fell in love with the the two albums first, uh, Madonna and Like a Virgin, <clears throat> and it was fantastic. I just played them out like crazy, and, and nothing stopped my fascination with Madonna. It just continued to grow. So, those are the very early days of just becoming a fan. And I didn't really understand um, putting on headphones and what that meant. And later, uh, like, my dad decided to buy this hi fi stat audio radio record system where it had equalizers in it it was this massive thing that took up took up space in the room but it had a had a iPhone a headphone jack and I got my first headphones on and then surrounding myself with Madonna music just it, it sealed the deal so I just became enveloped in music and I think for me that's music is my love language I guess you know and, and that works for me and so everything that I I ever started with with music. It started with Madonna, and the second artist was Wham. So Wham was like for me huge. But I mean, yeah. God God rest his soul. George Michael is fantastic. Um, oh, but uh, as we've continued through life, Madonna's been the constant. So yeah, those were the early days.
0: What was what was the forty five that you got?
1: It was actually like a virgin because I, but I'd already heard the whole first album, Um, but that's what my brother bought and he didn't want it anymore, so he just gave it to me, and I said thank you, I appreciate it. Uh, But these are the early days where you had, um, you know, you learned that Crazy for You was was wasn't released on the same label and it had a different. um, I think a song by Berlin was the flip side. It was. It was odd, but of course, Crazy for You was for a soundtrack. So um, right. you learned all of those things. And I, I noticed those things when I was a kid. And then, you know, that was it Was just the first single I got. And I, and I loved it. So I then, you know, saved every allowance that I got. And Tower Records was down the freeway. Whenever I went, I had to get something Madonna related. So I did. My So my walls, uh, and I'm glad we can do this on video. No one's going to hear that, but... <laughs> like my walls were covered in like the things you had when I was in my teenage room um and so I had four, the 12-inch singles were kind of my thing because they were the remixes and I fell in love with the remixes because I think Madonna really pioneered the concept of putting out a remix of every single that she would do and it, well, not a lot of artists did that back then but she did and it it just opened my eyes to um what an interpretation of a song can be. So it was, it was great. It was a great time. The eighties were fantastic.
0: And, and then at some point you said, I want to start remixing some songs. Mm. So how did that start? How did you get from, from being just like a fan of the music to, you know what? I want to do this.
1: Well, of course I know that people were doing remixes um, in various different ways spinning records and doing it very kind of live and and analog and low tech and I never got into that I was a little bit too young for that and I I moved beyond it so as um the internet in the mid 90s and personal computers everybody was starting to have their own computer was just becoming much more prolific um I was I I remember uh, I it was 1999 a boyfriend i was with at the time we went out christmas shopping my my youngest brother at the time was really really doing well um with playing piano and getting into a little bit more of electronic stuff he isn't he didn't follow through with it but i thought how great you know here's this uh app software about you know remixing or making music i bought it for him and um it never made made it to him as a gift i opened it up and started using (laughs) it so um from there it was really juvenile unfortunately but it gave a really good foundational understanding of how you can um kind of create music with loops or create something that's on your own um and it served as a basis and it piqued my interest so about years later i i upgraded to a much more sophisticated for the time software which is now been, and that was owned at the time by Sony. And um, they've sold it to another company, but they've, they're have they on version, I think, 11 right now, which is what I use. And I know it kind of like the back of my hand, but the, the problem mm-hmm. I find right now is that it's a PC-based software. Um, I would love to know how to better use uh, Logic, which is Mac-based. And I, I it's just learning a completely new language after... 20-plus years of of using one type of software. But in 2001, the Madonna Greatest Hits Volume 2 came out as her second greatest hits ever. Mm -hmm. Part of the promo for that was a remix contest. And it was put on through the software that I owned at the time, through Sony. And Ooh. three songs were um, available for remix contests. I didn't win the contests. But what part of that contest was, Madonna released the remix stems, selective remix stems. They weren't the full um, multitracks, but they were for Deeper right. and Deeper, Ray of Light, and Music. So I'm in heaven here it is 2001. I'm learning how I had already kind of done my own stuff, but now I never thought of putting vocals to what I do and how that works. And let me tell you, those first ones were horrible. (laughs) They were really, really bad. They always are. Um, They were so bad, but I, I don't think I had it um, any more fun in my life. It was fantastic just to be able to play with that and tinker with it. So those are those early days of getting started um, remixing and I had a blast and I've never looked back. It actually um, calms me to do it. It gives me, I I, I stayed out of the bars when I was, I lived in San Francisco at the time and trust me, you can go out and find trouble in the streets if you want. (laughs) But um, you know, here I am as a young 20 something. And um, you know, I'm on a Friday night instead of going out to the clubs you know, dancing and doing stuff you probably shouldn't be doing. I'm in my, my room with my roommates out and about, and I'm just headphones on remixing. because That was life. So That's awesome. Yeah.
0: You gave me a list of remixes. I was like, just send me like 10 remixes just mm-hmm. that, that, you know, that we could talk about um, because you've got a lot out there. You have a lot of remixes out there. So it'd be a lot to go through your entire catalog, uh, which is amazing by the way. Um, But I wanted to talk through some of the ones that you sent me just because um, I hear some interesting things and I kind of want to talk through like your process, what you go through um, or or what you may have been thinking when you went to make these remixes. So the first one that I heard was uh, Forbidden Love, Confessions on a Dance Floor version. say is thanks for making it sound disco uh because <laughs> i know confession's album while it sort of gives the impression of disco with like the abba sample and the like the donna summer influence uh it it's straight from being kind of like a pure disco album in in the 70s sense
1: i agree i kind of think of confessions on a dance floor as being madonna's Disco version of something she would have done from a ray of light. It's so electronic and polished, but it's a little bit of a disco take on what ray of light could have been if it were done disco. And that's how I kind of feel about how she approached it because she always wants to be really cutting edge. But um, I feel there's a sound that um, was missing a little bit. From what could have been on Confessions that I was trying to bring in. And it's a little more daft punk. It's a little more um, gritty bass lines that make you feel little Freemasons, a little yeah. bit more that instead of super electronic. That's right. I was, and was I head. think that's,
0: you know, I. I'm not a huge fan of the song itself on the album. It's it's not one of my favorites, which I know is um somewhat of an unpopular opinion, but I think this remix really helped embody that disco feel. So like that's what I love about this version and it makes me want to listen to it.
1: That track um and I've I've explained this before it took about 8 years to do that track. Oh, wow. Why eight yeah. years? So my process is, um, it's not its not always linear. My process sometimes has an idea that starts and then I put it away in my little digital vault and it sits there. And it didn't start. So the, the remix that I put out of Forbidden Love on my Confessions of a Dance War remix did not start out as Forbidden Love. It was going to be Little Star from oh. Ray of Light. Yeah. And I was tinkering with it, and the main reason why it never got finished as Little Star was because the technology then, um, the acapella, was disastrous. So that's something we've always fought with ourselves in the remix fan world is how do we put out something that sounds amazing but we're not ever allowed to have official acapellas. So therefore a filtered one can sound distorted and then your work is distorted. And it's it was something where I never had a really good acapella of that track. And so I'm not gonna finalize it with that. And so it just sat for years, uncompleted. And then um, I knew I was gonna work on Confessions. I knew that the technology of how we can manipulate vocals was far better. And I just re- was revisiting what I had done. I said, you know, this could really work for that. So I, it was actually Forbidden Love was one of the first tracks I completed from my Confessions on a Dance More uh, remix album. And to me, it's one of the most, uh, like, it's very luke Savant. It's the most, I'd say, luke Savant. Um, and it's my favorite.
0: What makes, what makes Luke Savant remixes Luke Savant? What do you feel like makes the it minor key that way?
1: The yeah. minor key, yeah, yeah. I have, I have a, I have a problem falling in love with tracks like Cherish. I Madonna's happy music, not always, <laughs> and the the major keys are not always what grabs me, um, and it's these emotional tear you down um the hook um the melody if it's if it's much more emotional um is what wins me over considerably
0: it's funny you say that because the next remix i wanted to bring up was waiting oh my god yeah (laughs)
2: was something more than once or twice It wasn't yours in the first place And that's hard to accept when you love someone
3: And you're led to believe that in a moment of need That they want what you want, they don't
0: when you say like the minor key and everything i'm like and emotional i'm like yeah this is emo madonna this is like dark sad but i like that it almost changes the meaning of the song where it's like i'm accepting the fact that i'm not getting what i want out of this uh while i'm waiting and that the heart has been broken and it's it's like it's very depeche mode in a way I don't know if that uh, that is a compliment or an insult to you, but I love Depeche Mode. Okay, <laughs> I do?
1: no, you 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 win. You win with that comment. It's great.
0: It feels very like early two thousands Depeche Mode, like where when they were doing um, I, playing the angel. Is that the name of the album? Um, where like I loved every track on that. that's one of my favorite albums. Where it just feels very dark. It feels electronic. It feels Um, But but it still moves along like you're Mm -hmm. it's it's still like seamless and and joined together versus some electronic music can feel very staccato um, where I feel like your music feel it it still gives the emotion it still has the minor key but it still feels like I, I could groove to this.
1: So one of the things I want to mention about waiting and about my process is one, my process I, and I've never shied away from this. I always am right up front with it. If I, if I need to, I will create the sample on my own. I usually don't. I usually have something that I start with, which might be eight bars, usually nothing that's like fully completed but it could be eight bars or 16 bars or just four bars of, of a sound that might modulate briefly. And if I can create a melody out of it that works for me, I will use it. Or I will expand upon it. Um, and it allows me then to utilize a lot more, a lot less, I'm sorry, a lot less MIDI and a lot more real instruments when I remix. Yeah. So it comes off as though it's a lot more polished and professional. But there's a lot of manipulation that's gone into um the the process there so interestingly waiting the samples that i actually utilized were based out of an extreme hip-hop trap kind of vibe and it, and i it didn't work for me but there was there were these guitars that were about eight bars long that i started looping and chopping and changing the, the the pitch in certain places and then it all fit together so i i didn't know i was doing it because of course my track came out before madonna on the weekend's track popular uh-huh. but the beat structure is pretty similar yeah. with the same kind of beat vibe and it just it, it resonated for me i needed it to be very emotional and the words on on waiting um, it's the, the opening uh, the opening words or if you have to ask for something more than once or twice it wasn't really yours to begin with yeah and i uh, to me that's a mantra of life it, and i i love that and for those people that have ever been through um a heartache a breakup and you were on the wrong side of that if you've ever had to plead with somebody you gotta listen to this song because it's gonna help you wake up it just it helps mm-hmm. you say hey this person's not for you and if you keep asking they're not really yours you need to move on but that's the yearning and that's the heartache of the song that's the story she's trying to tell and and the original version of it, which, of course, is, as we as fans, we know there's a male vocal version, which is Did You Do It, which I really couldn't bring myself to remixing because it wasn't my favorite. <laughs> but um, And then her version of it, it, which was the same track, essentially produced the same way, mm-hmm. it was a bit too quick, a little too urban, um, a little too street grunge uh, for me. And I I wanted it to be... Um, I wanted to hit you over the face with the, with again the uh, the emotion. I wanted you to to get walloped right. with that and and slow it down. Listen to what's being said, and feel that this person's in pain because they're not getting the love they need back. And sound will do that if you do it the right way.
0: And the next time you want pussy, just look in the mirror. That's
1: right. <laughs> I made sure to keep that lyric in right at the end. <laughs> uh-
0: thankfully um well i did want to ask you too you were just talking about like your samples and everything because that was one of the things that stood out to me was the guitar uh and so you use samples but do you ever compose them yourself or either sometimes electronically or like do you play instruments at all either i i used to
1: no, I'd love to. I I've ta- had many many guitar lessons in in high school, and college. Mm-hmm. Um, I would learn piano. I understand, you know, the scales. I finger wise, guitar is really challenging. Piano is much easier uh, yes. for me. I um, uh, with some of my earlier stuff, I actually had my keyboard directly connected to my computer, as most people do. Um, and so I've created kind of a lot of samples or. I created a lot of basis for what I could just pull from. That was my own stuff that I created. So it's, it's all there, but a lot of, a lot of money <laughs> went into purchasing a lot of samples over the years. Yeah. I would probably say it's easily over about $75,000, which is a lot over oh my the years. But, oh no, it's a lot. But you know, you know, these are, you know, one shots beats or, or, you know, small phrases and licks and, Things like that, where y- you, I could end up with, on um, you know, one track that I'll remix sounds from completely different sample packs that had nothing to do with each other. So what you're hearing, one is completely original because they were never put together, and that's for me. I find that to be a fantastically creative process. Um, mm-hmm. Although that's of course like royalty free stuff, so that's it's great. Um, but it it really I find one, it allows me to get done with the process sooner and I don't have the full musical um, knowledge that I'd love to have to be able to sit down and create something completely from scratch on my own. Um, that's just, I, I don't have that ability. Maybe one day when I have more time, I will. But presently, <laughs> my, my my samples are kind of my, my basis and that's that works for me.
0: Yeah, and I think it still takes... It still takes skill and knowledge to really understand, you, you know, the basis of, of music theory to understand what's going to work and what doesn't. So I think it's still a, a talent that not everyone can possess to be able to hear a sample and say, I know exactly how I can try to use that and what I'm trying to do. So I think yeah. you should still give yourself credit for, you know, um, oh, thank you. being able to do that because no not every, a lot of people can do that.
1: Now, and I it sometimes I'll hear like if it's a longer sample I don't need the whole thing I need this four seconds and if I take that four seconds out I can expand it chop it modulate it um, do what I need to out of it and it it works for me and I'm completely content with that um, and the clients that have hired me that um, you mentioned at the beginning that I've worked for and for my official remixes they love it too so I'm I'm okay with that yeah.
0: Uh, well, you mentioned something about like, you know, sometimes using hip hop beats or or like ninety sounds. So I want to talk about the next song that I listened to, Medellin. And what I do like about your remixes is that, well, I hear a lot of '90s influence. It's not very direct or very overt. It's it's more of like I hear elements of things I remember from like the '90s, and and not like the popular remixes or anything that you'd hear on the radio, but something that's more what I would call like a deep cut remix. So when I hear medellin and tell me if I'm wrong here, but I hear um there's a Janet Jackson remix of That's the Way Love Goes and it's the the C J R&B Desire, remix.
2: Desires. That's the way love goes.
0: like I hear like these 90s kind of like R&B and or like hip hop references is that intentional or did you listen to a lot of like hip hop or 90s R&B
1: Definitely not intentional um and the, again Medellin, that remix was a challenge so it, of course that was the first single off of X, and one of the things that Madonna Remixers United and my group do is we try to get out a lot of stuff quickly um, because that's what everybody's doing these days but Medellin is a major key track. It is not a minor key song. I flipped it into a minor key song which was hard to do (laughs) Um, and it took a little... It took a while. I find that if it, if a lead track on what I'm getting ready to do isn't set in stone, I'll start working on other stuff that's on that same record, and but I'm just pulled back to get done the first song, the opening. If the opening is great and I know it's ready to go and, and shelled until I'm ready to release it, then it all works out. But I wanted this funky sub groove going on for part of Medellin that reminded me back to the 90s. I wasn't really... Now, I love Janet Jackson's That's the Way Love Goes. I I think that's one... Everybody can agree that's one of her best tracks. I I don't remember all of the remixes. I'm sure I listened to them back in the day. Um, It uh, it wasn't an influence, but I'm happy that there might be... uh, a vibe taken from that that's completely yeah, right on my end. Absolutely. Um I I just know that once I figured out how to get Medellin to be a little more emotional for me, because it was it it wasn't a who's that girl Spanish uh speaking track. It wasn't a La Isla Bonita for me. And I I I think that it was kind of a vanity niche project of an entire album and um I wanted to kind of make it something that you would want to listen to every day and yeah it, Medellin for me on that worked really really well and I'm very very proud of it um and, and that's why I, I definitely recommended it uh, for you um but it, it de- I definitely wanted this undersound of this bubbling kind of funk bass to be present in that yeah. track
0: and it's so, very apparent and the Janet Jackson reference was was uh, a compliment from my end because i because what happens i think with remixes is you have to have a reason to to, to listen to it versus the original right so when something resonates with you and it resonates because it, it invokes a feeling of nostalgia or a feeling of a groove that you haven't heard in a while it it takes you back and makes you feel very comfortable while you're listening to it, and I think that's what this remix does for me. It brings me back to the '90s and the summertime when Good. you know Janet Jackson's "That's right. the Way Love came out. Yeah, so it, it takes me back to that moment of like driving in my car with the windows down and grooving to the cassette tape
1: in my player. Yeah, I wanted that vibe for Medellin. I, and I think I got it. It it has. Um, it's probably one of the tracks that I think has much more when it starts of a MIDI sound. It's just a,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's hard to explain, but it's really more of a lot of synth pads. Um, but I try to break from that and give you something a little bit grittier you can hold on to as you get through it. But I, um, um, one of the the trickiest aspects is is the the last bridge to chorus in that song, she's holding a note for a little while that I couldn't quite get on pitch. And I just spent a lot of hours working on it until it was perfect.
3: Venus was hovering above us. I took a trip that-
0: You know, what I would argue about your remixes, too, is that they're honestly more than just quote-unquote remixes. I feel like they're reinterpretations, they're different productions, different musical melodies of the song, which, you know, change the harmonics, they change the emotion. And for me, like, I think that's a very powerful thing to be able to do. Not a lot of remixers can do that. I think there's a, a point in time, especially like late 90s, early 2000s, where all the remixes
1: just started sounding the same. I think that never really left. When we start talking about a remix that would play in a club now, and I tell people all the time, I am, I'll, I'll remix a banger. I'll remix a dance track. It is not going to sound like what you hear at a circuit party. It's not going to sound like what you hear um, at a club that is going to blend into some other artist who's going to be remixed exactly the same way with their song, so that your whole night sounds essentially the same beat all the way through that's not how i remix i'm very content with um and thank you for acknowledging that i i kind of remix a song to be an album ready track and not necessarily Mm -hmm. a dance floor track and that is absolutely part of my process it is a new interpretation it is something you would you can sit down and either relax to or you could play in the car Uh, but it's it's not going to be the cookie cutter um 130 to 135 beats per minute you know that they're going to play right. at some festival it's just not that
0: <laughs> right well one of the reasons why i wanted to talk to you in particular is because there's a remix i heard that you did it was years ago i really didn't know uh-oh <laughs> you know who you were at the time um but I'm i remember scared. hearing it and it <laughs> no it's stuck in my head for years and i I recently almost tried to, um, I've been working on trying to do a a live concert of like Madonna songs that I could just perform. And I wanted to do this version of that song. Still in the works, I'll get there, just not yet. Um, But it was the remix that you did for Turn Up The Radio.
1: And it's not one that you put on the list for me. The guitar. Yes. The guitar version, the slower one. I love it i love it so that was a turning point for me actually remixing that version of turn up the radio um and somebody commented on soundcloud and i didn't really think about it but they were right it turn up the radio is a dance banger of course and how i decided to give it to you was a breakup song yes yeah it, it's a brain that's
0: it's how i took it like that's how i interpreted I'm, it
1: i'm i'm so ready to be over what i just did just turn up the radio and but it's not fast and it it, it gets you so no that was a good one that was in 2015
0: yeah and it's been in my head ever since <laughs> so for what 2023 8 years now You're 7 8 years <laughs> <laughs> uh, no well you know you mentioned about like how you wanted to reinterpret a song just so it's like album ready and versus like a dance club. Now we all know that Madonna has a history of reinterpreting her songs from, for live performances. Do you feel like that is part of like what influences
1: you? Absolutely. Um, part of, that started pretty early on when I was listening to Madonna with headphones when I was you know a kid in the eighties. Um, I had I had the the Blonde Ambition final tour in from Nice on a cassette tape, and the versions of some of these songs, particularly with "Like a Virgin" from yes. Blonde Ambition, mm-hmm. which was so um, a departure from what that song originally was, it was like, wow, you can do a song, make it the same. In terms of what you're saying, but it's a completely different vibe, and it doesn't have to be something that you have to dance to. So turning a dance track into a ballad, or vice versa, um, is okay. Uh, we all hope with the rumors that maybe we're going to get a ballad. Nothing really matters on this tour. We'll see. But Ooh, okay, mm, that's that's the the vibe going around. I am trying
0: it's, to stay spoiler different. free right now because uh, I will well, be seeing her opening night. So oh, I lucky you. Uh, well, I can tell you more about that later. I was not supposed to see her opening night. I was supposed to see her in DC, but life, life change. Sorry, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt.
1: <laughs> no, where was I? I forgot what I was talking about. Uh, um, you,
0: you were, there were talks of, of, a valid version of nothing really matters. Uh,
1: well, I think in general, uh, I, particularly talking about also turn up the radio. Um, I think, I'll, um, the MD, M- MDNA album, and, and I'm happy to own it, is, is not my favorite album. But what I was remixing at the time, I think, was okay for then. I look back at a lot of those remixes, and they just didn't stand the test of time for what I wanted to do. Um, and it's kind of across the board for that album for me, except for that Turn Up the Radio Remix. Um, I just I, I felt that some of the tracks on the album were a bit overproduced, or and as we well that that album didn't go the direction that even William Orbit said it was supposed to go, and it, it shifted throughout the divorce and how things were going in her life, and we ended up with something that I've been noticing from a lot of fans is just not their favorite record, but hey that that's what everybody has their own cup of tea there. So on my end, I, I really think that Turn Up the Radio, the, the way I presented it was how I wanted it to come across as almost uh, something that could have been off of music album as a country version of a pop country version of a song. And for me doing Turn Up the Radio that way really worked. It really worked.
0: Well, thank you for it because it has definitely changed my perspective of the song. um I mean, I still love the original, but you know that—that's what kind of bugs me about your remixes in a good way. Is that I debate: do I listen to the original version, or do I listen, or am I in the mood to hear this version today?
1: The Luke savant There's a compliment there. I, I appreciate
0: that.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I have a very bad. No, no, there comments. is there is a comp. There is a compliment there.
0: well I think you know it's a testament to your talent too and you know any remixer that has the ability to do this I mean um you know Shep Pettibone with the remix for Express Yourself it's like I do like the album version but I really really love the Shep Pettibone version too yeah um so it's 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 very it's very much a testament to your talent
1: thank you one of the things I've been trying to do is and this was part of my problem with the album of mdna with the remixes that i did was if i'm going to deviate from a original melody try to still have the spirit of madonna in the mix and i was losing that uh during the mdna remixes i was doing Uh, but i don't think with that turn up the radio that happened i think the spirit was still there um and it just showed kind of a different side of that song but what i'm definitely focused on now is um trying to ke- really if it's, if i can keep and not only just the vocal melody going the same but also um the sounds that i'm doing i want i want people to go oh this is a madonna song but it's not the original song and I find there's, there's a little bit more instant familiarity in that process. And it's, it's something I don't always achieve, but I try to do that now. And it's a little bit more respectful of the original work. Yeah, so for sure. Except one song, which no one's heard yet, that I'm working on. And everyone hates this song from Adana. But I promise you, when I finish it, you're going to love it. Can you give us a hint, Jimmy? What Jimmy. The song is?
0: Oh, I hate that song.
1: <laughs> Everybody, hit, you you will not hate what I'm doing with it. The version of Jimmy Jimmy I have been working on for like four years now. <laughs> it's, I see I have no rush to get this done. I will get it done right. But it it's a hot dance track now,
2: mm. and.
1: I've stripped away some of the extra, Jimmy, Jimmy, oh, Jimmy, Jimmy. I've gotten rid of some of that, where it's just a little more straightforward, but the production's really good, <laughs> and I'm laughing because I, I, I know you had on OD, ODM on your show before, uh-huh. Jake. He's a he's a good friend of mine from London, and he hates that song. I let him hear a snippet <laughs> of that, he's like, "Okay, this is not bad." <laughs> so, I if I can convince him, I know that um, the mass public is going to eat it up. And so, part of my process recently is I'm, I am doing um, all all of her records, and it's, it's really fun to be able to sit down and deal with just maybe like you know, uh, thirteen tracks, maybe. Uh, as I did with Erotica and just focus on that album. And it's fun for me because I can remix it a little bit for now and a little bit for what would have been then. And I'm looking forward to when I do ray of light because I'm gonna trance the hell out of that fucker. And it's gonna be great. Uh, so I can kind of take each album and I can approach it differently, but I can focus on it. And that's kind of been where I'm at. And I am going to, once I'm done with all of the albums, I can chill out and just remix anything new she comes out with. So
0: nice. Now, do you have thoughts? Do you have kind of like a, have you already given it thought of like, I know what direction I'm going to go in, in this album. And is it, is it kind of the same direction? Do you want the whole album to have the same feel or are you just kind of
1: deciding what you're doing with each track? Yes and no. So yes on the ideas for the album. The hardest um, album that I'll remix, uh, which I've already started ideas on, is, of course, I'm Breathless. And um, Sooner or Later is really cool. I have already started on Cry Baby, which is a huge hip-hop track. Cause it's so quirky and let's be honest, stupid. It's pretty stupid. The song "Cry Baby," it's kind of eh, Betty Boopish, you know. Yeah. And if you you can put a complete, I mean, I have sub bass banging throughout it, and it's kind of cool. Um, I've I decided to do a double album, which was in the early processes. I was going to release like a true blue virgin. So, it was going to be two albums in one. So, every other song, one would be like a virgin track, one would be a true blue track, one would be like a virgin track. So, you'd get a double album basically. Oh, okay. And they were going to all, and the, all of the sounds were going to kind of come in together. Um, but I do have a process. I do think about what I want for that record. Um, Confessions, I really wanted it disco, I wanted it to be that. Um, erotica i wanted it to be grungy a little bit gritty um, but very emotional and soft in moments Um, so some of the original stuff that i did i remixed that bad girl remix from a long time ago and it fit perfectly um, with the other mixes that i did more recently so i do consider that Um, when i get to certain records i just um, I, i feel it out but i i like to have an overall vibe that stays the same, but I'm okay with certain tracks standing out differently. Um, but if you were to l- look at that album as a whole that I did, you'd go, oh, they work together for them. You know, They, they yeah. work together, but they, but they're not all the same.
0: Nice. Well, you mentioned Confessions. I wanted to bring up one of the other tracks that you remixed for Hung Up because more fun than the original for me <laughs> and wow, i don't really? really hear that damn abba sample i love abba i love gimme 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 a man after midnight i love that song i don't like it in this in madonna's version of the song wow <laughs> and i know that's kind of what, what makes the song her song even though it's somebody else's it's song. Not. but like that sample to me is just like it's annoying for me but yours gives me the fun disco fun the fun disco fun that i need to roller skate to slowly
3: slowly time turns by by so slowly slowly time turns by so slowly, time goes by. So slowly, time goes by so slowly slowly time turns by so slowly so slowly so
1: I want to roller skate to this one. I don't want to roller skate to the other one. Wow. Well, thank you. And I, I truth be told, on that mix that I did, which was originally, I want to say from 2013. Mm-hmm. Since I did that, maybe 2013, it is, um, it's a versus. It's not my music. So I, oh. I did a, it's a, yeah, it's a, the, it's called um, Hung Up the Bitch's Back. Luke Savant mix, which, well, the song yeah. that I'm using is called The Bitches Back, and that's not from Elton John. So it's actually a head candy track. And I make I, whenever I do that, I like to make sure that I credit that track in the title somehow, some way, either with the artist name or the track name. And that's definitely, um, it's a fun, upbeat track. And I was considering doing... A different, more my own remix for the Confessions, and after consistently listening to that hung-up track, I polished it up a little bit from what I had originally done, and and kept it. It's the only song on Confessions on a Dance Floor remix that I did that was not new. Everything else was new, but that one was so good that I kept it in. Yeah, yeah, and it works though. But like, that's the thing too. And the tour, the Confessions tour was one of my favorite tours ever. And I don't always think with such an amazing song like Hung Up that you got on the album, it's first. But the tour, it closes. And I I felt it's such a perfect song to close that record. So I put it at the end. Oh, oh, nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Well, speaking of keeping energy up, uh, Heartbreak City, your remakes for that, again it feels very um it feels like depeche mode like i could i could literally hear dave i don't know how to pronounce his last name um the lead singer of depeche mode like i could hear him singing this song the way that you remixed it and i could literally hear it being like commissioned officially well thank you
1: actually, again, one of my more favorite mixes that I've done of that song mostly because I'm overlaying. well, let's back up the the Rebel Heart Demo League served Mm -hmm. us so well in the remix community, the fan remix community, that we were able to use some very stripped down tracks that weren't quite ready and then build upon them so that the production wasn't overloaded because these tracks were pretty much a simple melody with little production and we were able to either extract a vocal or use a, a sample audio and it worked really well and that's how I use that. So I was able to just really build cleanly um, on top of that. And Heartbreak City is to me one of her best tracks that she's come out with in the last 10 years.
0: It's yeah, just, it's great. Well, let me talk uh, talk to you about your evolution as a fan remixer because I know that you've been doing this for years. What do you feel like has has evolved or changed for you, or the the way your process works, or or what do you feel like you've you've learned by doing this?
1: I think what's the the one of the most important things I've learned is to not force the process. If If you're, if the vocal and the pitch and the original key of the vocal is going to work with what you're doing, run with it. If you're, if it's not working, start over because if you're not going to feel it, your audience isn't going to feel it. And so, um, one of the things that I think annoys me when I hear certain remixes is that we all want to love what we're hearing and feel connected to it. And, were predictive in a way so if you hear something and you're like wow oh i like that melody i like that hook you're as you're listening to it if you're a music buff you kind of are expecting the notes to go in a certain direction and Mm -hmm. i think mentally when they when the song validates that for you you feel like yes i love this song it did exactly what i wanted to do i got from it what i wanted." And that's what I've learned is sometimes give the people what they want. <laughs> just <laughs> like some of, sometimes these really quirky melodies, um, they work sometimes. But sometimes what I've learned is just just give the melody that's sometimes a little bit more obvious, but also make it your own. And it works. And that, for me, that's just something from an evolutionary process that I, I'm trying to grasp and, and keep forward right now
0: what album are you working on next because i know you've done three so far
1: what so next project so i started with um x and released that uh the top of the pandemic and then um coming out of the pandemic uh, wrapped up um conventions on the dance floor and now i um i had erotica come out and it was really hard to do that one Um, after it was done to promote it because Facebook thought it was porn. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) um, we ended up losing our big page for about eight months of this year, uh, 356,000 followers and we just lost them and we had to start over and then I was able to work it all out and we got them back. So I'm very conscientious about what I put out now. And, um, you know, so that was just our little down dip moment. But right now I have decided to go and stick 90s and um, do bedtime stories. And it's not just bedtime stories. And my Confessions album was similar. Erotica was very straightforward. I didn't give you a lot of extra tracks that were from the era. Um, I, I did with um, Madame X, there were some bonus tracks and there was also with mm-hmm. Confessions. Um, with triggering your senses um, there's some other songs that I'll do that super pop that were from the era of it might not have been on the original album or like a demo that we got leaked I am sticking with the same expanded process for bedtime stories so right now bedtime stories that I'm doing is probably 17 tracks total and and the reason I'm doing that is it's not just bedtime stories, but it's going to encapsulate something to remember. Ballad remix, the new track. So I'm giving you, I, I want you. It's all really from the same era. That was her greatest hits right after that record of bedtime stories, which was Raw all ballads. Um, right. Love don't live here anymore is you know like one of my all time favorite Madonna songs that got re released. During the same time frame as bedtime stories and something to remember, you'll see, um, and there's also going to be one more chance. So I'm I'm and your honesty, which we've all learned, was a, a unreleased song from yeah uh, bedtime stories, um, a B-side to the a German release of Secret was Let Down Your Guard, and I released that song. Also, about 10 years ago, the remix that I did and that I've polished a lot of it up. So technology has allowed me to go back and clean up a lot of the work that I've done. And um, and I'm also just a better remixer. So if I'm going to keep a track that I've done that's older, I'm going to make sure that I I touch up what I've done in the past so that it's really more ready for today. But yeah, Dead Time Stories is going to come in 2024.
0: Nice. Yeah, you sent me a little a sample of... of- some of the the tracks that you're working on i'm really excited for it because like we talked about before is the the way that you reinterpret the songs really help give it a different feeling and a different vibe a different emotion
1: well thank you i'll be honest right now as the way bedtime stories is shaping up uh it's a little funky in a good it's like it's I've turned a, a lot more things into danceable mid-tempo type stuff. Not necessarily yeah. like fast tracks, but there's a lot more mid-tempo. Um, I think one of my my favorites, which is actually pretty much done, and I, I may let you premiere it for the first time, <laughs> is Ooh. You'll See. So that one is... Um, I think really doing well. One of the special things with that is the vocal that I have, which is really clean. It's really good. Has a tambourine attached to it that I couldn't separate. So that's the only percussion you're going to hear. I have taken all percussion out and it's really kind of special. So, um, I think you're, I think your listeners are going to love that. Well, I can't wait to hear it.
0: <laughs> all right. right. Well, Channing, thank you for your time today. Uh, This has been very introspective and uh, helps me get into the mind of Remixers. Um, One last question. Do you plan on seeing the Celebration Tour?
1: Oh God, yes. I was originally supposed to see it three times. Now I'm gonna see it only twice. So I'm, trust me, I'm lamenting over this, but I'm, I'm glad that she's healthy and I'm glad that she's able to proceed with this tour um i was as of now if everything had already happened the way it was supposed to happen i would have seen her twice already and um the best seats that i i mean i would be touching the catwalk but that was supposed to be at the old staples center the crypto arena in la and that got canceled and got moved to a different location in los angeles and there was a little flub up with the, with everybody getting their refunds. So the tickets went on sale before you got your refund. And um, if I had gotten the refund, I would have absolutely gone and purchased um, new tickets for the, for the third show in Los Angeles. But no, um, I have to just at this stage, which is what I tell myself, you are blessed to see the show twice. Just soak it in and enjoy it and i'm really looking forward to this tour so i'm yeah i'm over the moon about it and thank you i'm so glad that you had me on uh, for your podcast i i've heard your podcast many times before and uh i'm honored to be invited so thank you
0: well thank you um so i know you've got a lot of places people can go and find your remixes um i know that you have um is it remixersunited.com like you have an actual web page right
1: We have an actual web page. It's called MadonnaRemixersUnited.com. I have a fantastic, tight niche team. Um, Roman Nerminaghi is the art director, and he's been uh, with me for about six years, and he is fantastic. He curates and does a lot of the back-end stuff, so I'm just giving a really nice shout-out to him. And, um, you know, there's a a tight group of remixers that we always bounce ideas off with and and interact with. And you've had one on your your podcast, you've had ODM, we have Marcus Tori, um, Nephew, Um, all of them, they're really part of our team. So um, it's it's something that we take seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously when we do it. But we have a great time being uh, uh, together in what we do. So it's great.
0: Uh, So you have a Facebook page, an Instagram page, SoundCloud,
1: YouTube, We have SoundCloud, YouTube, we have TikTok, which we're not feeding that content too terribly much because there's a lot going on. But yes, you can find Madonna Remixers United on SoundCloud for mostly all of our releases. Uh, Facebook, Madonna Remixers United. We also have a second backup page there, which we ended up creating on Facebook. But Instagram, yeah, we're everywhere. YouTube, we're there. Perfect
0: so guys go out there check it out if you have not which i am sure you've you have um but if not go out there support them go check them out thank you again channing thank you. it was a pleasure appreciate it
3: you think- You think that you are strong, but you are weak. You'll see, it takes more strength to cry, admit defeat.
0: Please be sure to like, subscribe, rate, and review the Madonna Get Together on your favorite podcast streaming platform. And be sure to follow on Instagram at Madonna MadonnaGetTogether. Until then, my beautiful strangers.